0: I think I'm on to something. I know I am, actually. I'm on to something that's unique, that's never been tried before. And listeners say, wow.
1: Welcome to Brand With On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio.
0: Radio people don't really understand regular people. The promos people do, the way they play their music, the way the disc jockeys speak, the things they talk about are things that turn on other radio people, but turn off a lot of regular people. Listeners.
2: Brandwith on demand. Rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis, David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, Media
1: Branding Coach, Kipper McGee.
2: When it comes to radio and audio innovation and turnarounds, well there's a few in the industry that can match our guests this time around, but only a very few. His name is John Sebastian, and he's become synonymous with turning around radio stations that are in dire competitive situations. He holds records for some of the best ratings turnarounds in radio history for just about every format that really matters. Dramatically evolving radio in markets like L.A., Chicago, Boston, D.C., Minneapolis, Seattle, and so many more. Right now, he's in Phoenix. And this time, it's not just a radio station, but perhaps the entire industry that's searching for a reboot. And Brandwith On Demand is proud to welcome a true multi-format innovator, John Sebastian.
1: Hey, John.
0: Yeah, that's quite an introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that, but I'll try. <laughs> okay.
1: I don't think you'll have any difficulty, John. But you have been acknowledged as an innovator and sometimes even a contrarian when it comes to music radio and programming. As one who redefined country, virtually created a new age, jazz, and introduced several other incarnations, including some rock stations, some alternatives, some AORs, some CHRs, I mean, you've really made your mark. When you were listening to, for example, pre pandemic American radio, obviously you saw something missing. Can you tell us what you were hearing absent and how you're trying to fill that?
0: Well, like, so many of us, I was reading about the realities of the 55 plus rumored generation. I, I think we're probably all uh, all three of us involved in that. Guilty? Um, guilty as charged. So in reading all about that and, and realizing that the oldies format that we used to know and love has sort of gone away, maybe not completely, but basically allocated to, with some exceptions, to AM stations and translators and stations that didn't really have a chance to fully succeed as much as they could. And knowing that I am a contrarian, in fact, what I often use as an example of what has really marked my entire career is early on when I first programmed the radio station in 1972, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I kept asking questions along the lines of, um, so why are we doing it like this? And the answer was almost always, I don't know, because we've always done it that way. (laughs) So my contrarian mind said, well, that means I don't have to do it that way. (laughs) That pretty much sums up my entire career. And knowing that there's this chasm for 55 plus programming, largely because the advertising community still gears itself towards 25 to 54, which is ridiculous. And that's a whole sidebar, probably easily an episode by itself. I thought that I would... um, with all ego aside, I didn't know anybody that was more experienced in all the different formats to come up with an idea that would really super serve this baby boomer generation. So literally what I took was all the research music, and I've been involved in research since 1970. My ex-wife did the very first call-out call in America that we know of. And so I saved all the top testing songs from all the different formats that I've done. And knowing this reality that the boomers have have grown up with top forty, and then at some point they thought that top forty and rock went a little crazy. So then they got into some country in the nineties. They've they've loved classic rock. They were some of the first people that got involved with smooth jazz, New Age when I did that. I literally said to myself that the way oldies used to be done was too narrow. And that I uniquely could put together a playlist that was unlike anything that has ever been done in radio before. And also do some things on the radio station that took advantage of today's reality in that most of the things that used to be on morning radio or the disc jockeys did are in our cell phones.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Literally almost everyone in the universe has a cell phone. There are people that can't afford their rent, but they have cell phones, smartphones. Right. Um, I put all that together and it was rolling around in my mind for quite a while. And I went on vacation with my girlfriend at the time. And we were in a place called the Vagabond Inn, which is very telling for someone that is as much of a vagabond as I have been. And I told her about this. And I told a few friends like Jonathan Little about some of the things swirling around in my head. And I woke up one morning while we were there, and I told Allison that I just had a dream of exactly the way this format should be. And I did. It was already done. It reminds me of what Paul McCartney and Billy Joel and others have said, that some of their hit songs, they don't even take responsibility for. They just came out of the ether, and they were already done, written for them, and they just spouted them out, and they're some of the greatest songs of all time. And it was sort of like that. I don't mean to say that I'm anything like Paul McCartney or Billy Joel or Elton John, but it was already done in my mind. The format was done, and I I was confident that it would work. Allison is the kind of person that is sort of doubtful about a lot of things. So she grilled me on this, saying, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I answered all her questions, and she finally said, oh, my God, I think this will (laughs) work. And so I set about trying to market it, and finally, Michael Kutchell, who at the time ran this company here, uh, was willing, I don't know if you know him, but he's a wonderful person. Sure. And he gave me a shot at, at trying this concept, and it's been unbelievably successful. The last year, we've basically won 55-plus every month except for one when Nielsen decided to mitigate us for four weeks because we have too much time spent listening and they don't think it's possible that it could be as good as it is. But they finally come to the realization that this is true. This is real. And knock on wood, they haven't mitigated us since. So um, they
1: put a mandate on your
0: TSL. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's an algorithm. And if you're over that amount of TSL, they dig deeper and they, they say, well, this just can't be.
2: It's a security and, issue.
0: You right. probably both remember they did the same thing in the diary methodology. Yes, they did. Oh, if sure. If you it. Something like 400 quarter hours or something like that. If you went over that, they threw the book out, I think. Right. Because that happened to me a couple of times. Uh, I've always geared my stations towards time spent listening. And I think that's something that has fooled my competitors many times. Because I can't tell you how many programmers that were against me later became friends and said, you know, when you were on KDWB in Minneapolis, I thought your station was so boring that it wouldn't work. And you ended up kicking my ass constantly. And I, I never really figured it out until I know you now. And that's something that has happened to me a lot in my career. You know, I, I really don't pay attention to what's number one on the R and R or Billboard charts, because I learned early on from research, when I was doing research and people were still calling record stores, my competitors, that the number one song might not really be a hit and the number 25 song might be one of the best songs you could possibly play. So by that contrarian thought, I played a lot of songs that everybody competing with me would say, hey, he's crazy. This will never work. And mm. by the time they figured out that it did work, it was too late. we had already annihilated them.
1: Yeah. Um, a
0: perfect example of that is the thing in Boston that Dave mentioned when I went there to WCOZ and WBC. Yep. It's a legendary progressive AOR station. Um, we beat them overnight, literally, and ended up with a 12.6 to their two share.
2: In 90 days. Yeah. Basically 90 days.
0: That's probably the best example of what I'm talking about. I think there are quite a few others. And it's true here in Phoenix. We've killed them 55 plus. So I think I'm onto to something. I know I am, actually. I'm onto to something that's unique, has never been tried before. And I think it could be done in every market in the country and and be successful. So at some point, I do want to try to market this nationally. Not unlike I did when I was doing kick-ass rock and roll, except at my age, I don't think I can fly around the country like I did then. So with new technology, I think I can do a lot from my home and, and help quite a few stations.
2: Well, John, clearly the ratings speak for themselves as far as the audience goes. But how is the execution playing out as your station evolves?
0: Well, I do something I've never done before. I um, not only schedule all the music, but I schedule the segues. This song follows this song, follows this song, 24 hours a day, every day. I don't take a day off. I do it always one day in advance at this point. And I think that fastidiousness is really making people say, and this is where the wow factor came from. Literally, listeners say, wow, wow time after time after time. They can't believe that they're hearing this song again. They can't believe that Friends in Old Places follows Stairway to Heaven. Right. They can't believe that this is happening on a radio station. So they they say wow so often that the obvious name for it, in my mind, is the wow factor. We have no DJs, which, you know, we've all been DJs before. Right. We have us. And nothing against DJs, because I was one. hmm But both from a cost-saving standpoint, because it does cost less to not have DJs, and from the reality of what people want on the radio today, I felt we could do this without disc jockeys.
1: So on that note, John, how do you deal with things like what's going on or whatnot. I mean, you've got kind of an innovative way to start mornings. Why don't you explain that and then kind of how you keep people kind of in the loop on stuff that that a jock might do?
0: Well, I I think we're really aggressive with what I still call sweepers and promos Mm -hmm. that I update really frequently to keep them fresh, but also to answer a lot of these questions. But the only way they can really... If they don't know the artist or the song, and and a lot of the songs they do know because they're familiar, I mean, I'm not playing obscure songs. This isn't an eclectic format per se, although it is in a way because it's it's over the whole spectrum of the baby boomer experience. But the only way they can really go and find the, the name of the song or artist is on our website or on our app. And there we do have literally hours and hours of last played, recently played stuff that they can go and find. And we do mentioned that quite a bit on the air.
2: What are you finding in terms of making money, John? I mean, obviously, it looks like a real smash with the audience. What about with the sales department?
0: It's growing, but that is the big struggle because, as as you guys both know, I'm sure the advertising agencies generally, there are exceptions, thankfully, still use 25 to 54 as their demographic and let's be honest, it was never a good idea. No. The 25-year-olds and
1: 54-year-olds have nothing to do. with Oh,
2: hey, John, it used to be 18 to 49.
1: Right. Yeah. And we were all part of the brigade leading the charge for all of those things.
0: So for the last 20 or 30 years, at least, it's continued to be 25 to 54. And all those 25 to 54 people are over 55 <laughs> right now. So in my mind, I've upgraded who I'm going after. And the advertising agencies need to be educated as to the reality of uh, what's going on. We, in most cases, go direct to the advertiser as opposed to the agency. And that's starting to work more and more. Mm -hmm. And even though that pisses off the agency sometimes, when the advertiser goes to them and says, Hey, what are you doing? I I want on this station. That's what rings their bell, too. So they uh, follow along. We've made some real breakthroughs recently. So it's it's happening and it will happen. I hope it happens in my lifetime. But uh, eventually, this has to happen because again, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir. The group I'm going after, the age group I'm going after, which is us, has by far the most wealth in our society. I mean, mm-hmm. not even remotely close. Yep. And the thing that that people don't realize is that the baby boomers actually spend their money. It's something like forty three to twenty six percent. Is how wide the margin is. So. The reality is this is the place, this is the way to make a lot of money with advertisers. And it's a well-kept secret. Uh, It's untapped. Um, It's just barely scratching the surface of what the possibilities are.
1: Right. So for a station or a cluster who may have like a full signal FM, but it's just kind of going to waste, and we all know examples of this, it's underperforming or the ratings pie is simply sliced so thin that they'd be hard-pressed to be profitable as a second or third anything in the market, why should they consider the WOW format as an alternative?
0: Well, you just identified who I will be going after when I try to take this national. I want full-signaled FM stations that are underperforming, and they're rampant. They're everywhere. And I think what I've done here with, again, a rimshot signal— we would be number one, six plus, not that anybody other than us cares about six plus. But we'd be number one, six plus, and we'd be doubling the nearest competitor, 55 plus, if we had a full signal. Mm-hmm. As it is, sometimes we're number four or five in the market. And Phoenix is a very competitive market. There's almost 5 million people here now. Oh, yeah. Um, this is not a little tiny market. So I, I think what we've done here proves the point. And I just think that there's got to be an education out there. And eventually people will say, yeah, I've got nothing to lose. I've got it. There's stations right here in Phoenix, like KDKB, who you both know, is a heritage mm. rock station for many years. Now they're alternative. They've got a 1.5, I think, or 1.7. Yeah. Uh, we annihilate them. And they're again, South Mountain, 100,000 Watt station. So if I didn't have the station I have, I'd be going after them. I don't know if they'd even consider it because they've got their plan. But their plan isn't working. Right. And there are stations in Philadelphia that I've talked to that are perfect for this. Uh, there are stations all over the country that would be perfect candidates. You
2: bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. John Sebastian, he knows a lot of stuff, Kipper. Mm-hmm. Hey, somebody you'd like to hear from, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Just
1: email us, show at brandwithondemand.com. And now our online community is expanding with Brandwith+. Plus. That's a place for everybody to chime in with station news, promotions, other things you might like to share, along with other industry news you may have missed. We're on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search Brandwith+. plus That's Brandwith, P-L-U-S one word, and we look forward to seeing your posts there. Coming up, John shares some things he knows now he really
2: wishes he knew way back when.
1: Hi, this is Dave from Music Master Scheduling, here with another Music Master raving fan.
2: Did someone say Music Master raving fan? Ding, ding, that's me. Hey, it's Lee McNabb, operations manager for Saga Communications Des Moines Radio Group. My mentors taught me music scheduling on Music Master. And that's what I use to teach the young Padawans of today.
1: Ready to become a Music Master raving fan? Get in touch at musicmaster.com slash sales.
2: I've used Music Master in some major markets for some major media players. I'm a major fan. The stuff we know now, we wish we'd known then. Brand with On Demand. We are with the innovator John Sebastian, he's done so much in our industry, but now we're going to ask him one thing. And that is, John, what's the one thing you know now you really wish you knew when you got that first job in Portland radio? The one thing that
0: radio people, and I'm one, uh, that radio people don't really understand regular people. That's in a nutshell a lot of what I've taken advantage of, I'm elaborating, but that I already did my one line. I think that's one of the things that sets me apart is I've been able to say to myself, a lot of what goes on on radio, on commercial radio, is for other radio people. The promos people do, the way they play their music, the way the disc jockeys speak, the things they talk about are things that turn on other radio people, but turn off a lot of regular people, listeners. I think um, if I would have known that even earlier than I did, I'd be more successful.
1: And for the poor program director who's sitting in some market, say in Memphis or something like that, that's working for one of the big companies and doesn't really have much control over, heck, songs they add, liners right. they run, even promos and that kind of stuff, what suggestions would you have for them if they're kind of being force-fed the very thing that you learned?
0: Uh, the snippet question is find another job with a company that will allow you to program the radio station. But that's simple. That's easy for me to say financially. People have families and have to hold on to their job. But I know so many people that are working for the big companies that literally expect to be fired every day, walk into their offices and are uh, programming scared thinking that they're, mm-hmm. they're going to lose their job at any time. Yep. And that's no way to exist. I don't think.
2: There's
1: no way to
0: have creativity in radio or anything else for that
2: matter. It's not healthy. And it's not healthy.
1: No, it seems that when that desire for gain gets outweighed by the fear of loss, that's when things tip, and that's when you start to lose. Absolutely. Really good stuff, Kipper,
2: from Mm -hmm. John Sebastian. Hey, we've got links to John's Wow Factor website, some columns on the power of the Over 50 demo, plus our special Seth Godin's 22 quotes every media person should have all in the show notes. Just scroll down on
1: your phone. Thanks as always to exec producer Cindy Huber for putting this all together and to our associate producer Hannah B for handling all the booking. And coming up, a multi-format talent who's worked and won doing CHR, rock, and has won a trophy case full of awards including the CMA, Major market morning show of the year, now doing afternoon drive at Chicago's very own WGN. We talk to Lisa Dent next.
2: That's a wrap, Kipper. We've got another one of the keys to success. I'll help you jump the curve. You'll find it in the one minute martinizing in the show notes at brandwithondemand.com. I'm Dave Martin. And I'm Kipper McGee. May all your with be wide.